Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Duff Network, where we dive deep into our boast most Canadian work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we are back to talk about Arc 7 Void. Uh, specifically, the first chapter of that arc, <laughs> 7.1, um, which starts with the line, Laird woke, free of any chain, handcuffs, or rope, which is just an awesome way to start a chapter and an yeah. arc. Um, yeah, the fact that he's not, like, bound up is definitely put, starts off with this vibe of, like, wait, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> um, yeah, it's like this little mini mystery, and it... it, it it is so satisfyingly resolved throughout the first half of this chapter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, for me, hearing that they haven't, like, bothered to tie him up or, or handcuff him or everything, it, it it sort of raises the concern for Laird, which... Or, or maybe, you know, back back then it was probably uh, not concern for Laird. Uh, like, you know, that that's something that evolves throughout this chapter. But you, <laughs> Definitely uh, it does. There's this, you know, there was this sense of, like, oh, wow, they've got something big planned for him like you know it, it's a real power move to not even bother tying someone up right so it's, yeah it, it it immediately sort of raises the stakes i guess yeah it, it makes you think oh wait something's something's off here um yeah like they've got a bigger plan uh because they're not they're not even concerned about him like being able to move yeah uh so yeah so led wakes up he's inside three concentric circles and he's being interrogated i guess by blake and the cabal yeah it's almost more of a casual chat well not casual it's almost more of a chat than an interrogation <laughs> um high stakes chat <laughs> and, and i mean like you're sort of assuming that this is partially like a karma thing and and that's that's sort of confirmed later but i definitely felt like at least for the first half of this blake is doing this just as much to lord it over Laird as he is for the karma. Like I think he, <laughs> I think at the start he is kind of enjoying having Laird trapped for once. Yeah, um, yeah, and especially I assume the, uh, the the tables being turned with regards to him being the one doing the interrogating. Um, yeah, yeah. So we get we get measurements of these three circles, and the inner one is is quite small in diameter. Um, definitely much smaller than Laird, which means he's like. <laughs> He must have been curled up in this circle or something, um, and he has to curl up in it later, which is, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a funny horrifically picture. designed, uh, but yeah, we'll we'll get into it. We'll get into that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into how the various ways that <laughs> Blake and his cabal are torturing Laird here, I suppose. Um, so uh, they offer Laird some kind of token gestures of hospitality. Um, which he takes advantage of at gunpoint uh, as, as a way to kind of, <laughs> I guess, appease the spirits who insist on hospitality. Yeah, but they're like they're sort of intentionally meeting the bare minimum requirements, uh, which is funny, yeah. and especially because Lid's just still such an asshole about all of it. Like it was so oh yeah fun to hear him still kind of being this smug asshole, and and obviously uh, that doesn't work out for him. Um, but like I, I love this bit in particular where they they point out like his uh, implement slash familiar thing is out of reach and, and he can't access it and he and he's sort of like oh how the tables have turned now I'm trapped and my companion is useless and he's like looking at Rose as he says it and it's just like God you <laughs> God you're a dickhead that's like- a dick move yeah <laughs> like why would he say that I mean God 
he must just not even see Rose as human. I don't think there's any other explanation. Like, oh, no, I, I, I actually don't agree with that. I, I, well, he may not, but like, I think even if she was, he'd still be just as much of a oh, shitster in this situation. I think. Yeah. All right. Maybe it's true. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um, so Rose, <laughs> I actually, I want to pull out a quote here because this is just a fun observation that I had. Um, Rose, not smiling at all, said, yet you keep coming after us and you get bitten worse each time. What's that they say about insanity and doing the same thing over and over again? And Laird's response is, I prefer to view it as one long ongoing conflict than a series of failures. Um, <laughs> and I love this quote because uh, it reminds me of... Um, there's this subreddit called r slash self-awarewolves, which is like shitty people almost having moments of epiphany and being self-aware of how shitty they are. And Laird has this real self-awarewolves vibe here where he's like, he's so close to seeing <laughs> the context that they see his actions in and he just, he just dodges it completely. It's, it's great. Yeah. I think Rose's response to his statement that it's one long ongoing conflict rather than a series of failures like she just responds with well that's convenient which i think is the perfect response <laughs> like it's like okay tell yourself whatever you fucking want like uh yeah yeah uh, i actually hadn't heard of that subreddit until you like wrote it in the notes so i checked it out and i had to leave pretty quickly because i was just getting mad you know it's one of those subreddits <laughs> where like it's just it's just idiots being idiots uh, and i think it's even worse because they're so close to not being idiots for bits of it and then they go back to being yep. idiots and so i had to leave uh because i was just getting angry yeah um anyway laird maybe check it out <laughs> um yeah i i think the other one that i just had to call out and I, uh, this is sort of jumping ahead but it's relevant to all this is uh when when we're sort of talking about what they've put in the uh, middle ring of these circles, uh, Led says, objectively, taking this risk is more evil than the murder of a thousand Molly Walkers. And Evan just responds, or, you know, you could not kill a thousand girls. Just, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just like, yeah, that's just a, such a hilarious comeback. Um, it's yeah. a solid Evan line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So Laird and Blake are conversing and Laird kind of makes this threat to Blake that his family are going to completely overreact to this kidnapping. Yeah. Which I is mean, a weird threat to make, honestly. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, that's like a real like like CSI law and order level play by Laird where it's like, oh, you think you have me trapped, but my friends are coming for me and they'll do to you like a thousand times. Like, yeah. like come on. Come on, Laird, you're better than that. Uh, yeah. And especially... Uh, oh, so, okay, to be fair, the only other senior Baham that we know of is Duncan, and so, like, unless mm. there's someone else ready to take the reins, I'd be coming for Laird, too, because, like, you don't want Duncan in charge of the family. <laughs> so all the other Bahams are like, oh, shit, we got to get him back, or else <laughs> yeah. Duncan's going to be in charge. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, and so Laird uh, is, is kind of comparing himself to America here to make this point. And it's kind of weird. He's he's very, he seems to be like fetishizing American uh, zealous patriotism here, which is a weird stance for him as a Canadian to be taking. Yeah, but I like, like obviously I'm sort of generalizing and stuff here, but like I've always seen American culture, at least relative to uh, some others, as like really celebrating grandness and yeah like rewarding self-confidence more than more than some others and i mean yeah. obviously given what we know about chronomancers it seems like there's some overlap there so i, I kind of get why he keeps going back to that 
Um, but what I really like here is like Blake kind of undercuts this on a metaphorical level, like as like as well. Like he brings up like you know America has lo- like not really won a lot of their most recent wars, <laughs> uh, or you know they've they've won, but there's like an asterisk after the word one there yeah. um yeah so yeah like it's not even a great comparison to be making for lead yeah it's, it's nice to see blake kind of being able to keep up with lead's quick wit for parts of this chapter um getting some getting some blows in uh so blake kind of reveals the nature of this trap that lead is inside he's he's inside the middle circle of uh, the the innermost circle which is a very weak magic circle and if he tries to but if he tries to escape from it Pauz will be able to enter that innermost circle, and Pauz is ready to fuck with Laird. Uh, like, we'll get into the morality of this for probably a, lot, <laughs> oh, yeah, a while soon, wait. uh, but, like, I, I do just have to sort of say, this is really fucking clever, like, like, so it's mm. like, yeah, we're not gonna be able to hold Laird in the circles, but it's like, so you- you come up with a way to incentivize him to keep himself inside the circles. Yes. Uh, it's- yeah, and the the way it's sort of unveiled is very theatrical. Like at first, it's just like, oh, three circles. That's weird. So like, I, I bet you they got extra points for how they fucking did this by they chucking clothes in, in, yeah. in last. Uh, so yes, uh, very very clever morally. Yeah, dubious. So yeah, should we touch on that now or later? Because like, pose is fucking terrifying. This is horrible. This is like a horrifying <laughs> thing to do to a human being. You know. Um. Yeah, yeah, like, like you, you've, you've just sort of written here that that Pose is genuinely terrifying, and I was thinking, yeah, and so is fucking Blake because he's just standing <laughs> yeah. there green lighting this, right? Like, it's uh, yeah, um, it's yeah. yeah. Let's get to it. Let's get to 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 this kind of torture later. Um, yeah, okay, we'll get to it. Yeah. Um. So, I, well, so one thing I guess before we move forward is uh, Laird sort of is like. As Pose comes out, and this is like where Laird starts to realize that he's he's pretty fucked, and he he goes like, "What are the terms you gave the imp?" And Blake responds, "They're written in the envelope." Rose's research again, careful wording, and and then like Laird glances at Rose, and I really like this because it's not that long after he just gave her that smug look. It's kind of like the <laughs> the only big mentions of Rose in this first bit of the chapter of Laird gazing at her smugly, and then you know a couple hundred words later, Laird's like presumably fearfully glancing at Rose, just being like, oh my god, I hope she didn't fuck this up. Oops. <laughs> I hope she doesn't listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, Blake also takes this opportunity and kind of puts Laird on blast a bit for, for how brainwashed his, his kids slash nieces and nephews are. Um, yeah, it's really good to, to see Laird being called out. It's, it's quite, uh, yeah, it's quite uh, validating. Yeah, I mean, Blake uses the term toxic to describe Laird, which seems very fair to me. I, I think that's a very good word uh, for the situation. Um, yeah. I, I, I do think it's funny that Blake is like, you you brainwash them with this behame-centric, anti-Thorburn worldview. Because I, I just think that might be taking it a bit far, because like I, I don't think they needed Laird to make them anti-diabolist. It kind of seems like that's it's kind of par for the course, right? Like, I, like I think he might mm. be. I think he might be weighing it too on on a bit too hard. It's more. Well, yeah. Uh, I I think it's unfair to blame Led too much for the fact that they hate the Thorburns, and it's more uh, blame Led for the fact that he's willing to put the kids on on the front lines like that. I I would think. Yeah, although I don't know. I mean, the specificness of them being anti-Thorburn as opposed to anti-Diabolist. 
I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's definitely interesting in light of what we kind of learned in the previous chapter, right? Um, yeah. Well, and that's that's sort of why, like, I I don't know. I've always gotten the vibe from most of the other, like, the young Bahames and, and just most of the other characters that it's very much a sense of, it's not specifically anti-Thorburn, yeah. it's anti-Diabolist. Like, I don't- Yeah, sure. I, I don't, like, I, I get the impression that if those Baham children were tackling another person, or a person from another Diabolism family, they would have had the same kind of uh, rhetoric and, and the same yeah. ideas, like, the, the same- that's what I'm looking for, like, fortitude uh, to yeah. fuck over the Diabolist. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Um. So, Laird is trying things. He's kind <laughs> of trying to test the relationships of, of his captors and, and kind of trying to find a weak point, something, anything that he can use to kind of bargain or get his way out of this situation. Yeah. And, and so, I think... There's a line here which is, uh, I, I didn't think you were capable of this, Thorburn. Uh, that's mm. what Laird says. And I just really wanted to call out that line specifically because I think it perfectly captures my somewhat mixed feelings on what happens in this chapter. Because, okay, like, objectively, torturing someone with Pose, uh, like, like Blake does here, is wrong. Like, with little W and capital W. Yeah. Uh, but also, like... Led has gone out of his way to constantly push Blake into corners and, like, go after him and antagonize him. Yeah. And so, like, while I do feel bad for him and think Blake's doing the wrong thing here, there's also this, this kind of sentiment of, like, if you don't, like, I don't know, if you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes, right? Like, if you keep chasing a Diabolist, <laughs> yeah. you, you can't be mad when eventually he throws a demon back at you, right? Like, Yeah, it's true. He's on, like, I don't, I don't really like what's happening to him here, but also, I don't he he deserves the blame a little bit for being in this situation uh he, yeah he has kind of put himself here a little bit yeah i this is interesting let's all right we're in the morality play now let's talk about it um <laughs> i i the thing i really like about it is at least for me it didn't quite dawn on me how terrible it was until it also dawns on laird how terrible it is um, yes. Because it starts out being like, oh, it's Pose, you know, that's bad, but, you know, Led's safe inside his circle, blah, blah, blah. But then we actually see what Pose is doing mm. later, and it's so fucked up. Yeah, definitely. There's the the sympathy for Ledometer uh, just steadily increases throughout this chapter and then yeah. drastically drops. So, yeah, the more we see of Pose, the more you sort of like, okay, Blake, like this okay Blake like come on like we gotta yeah this this you, actually you might back. be too much yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure yeah so so uh one of the things that Laird brings up to try and kind of find an avenue is Molly um talking mm. about how Maggie killed Molly presumably you know trying to turn Maggie and Blake against each other but Blake really doesn't let him do this at all <laughs> Yeah, and, and I mean, I think that is partially because he has more or less forgiven Maggie for her role in that. Like, I guess we haven't ever really seen that super resolved. Like, there was a whole bit where he kicked Maggie out of his house back in, like, arc two. And then since then, mm. he sort of talked to her and I, I guess never quite considered her a friend. But, like, mm. he's consistently turned to her as an ally. And I think, I think yeah. you know, yeah, I don't know. I think he does sort of recognize that she's... Just kind of the reckless teenager who was manipulated by the adult who also is constantly trying to kill him. So it's kind of like hard to blame her too much, especially 
compared to Laird. Like, Laird's probably the last person who can pull this play. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's a bit of a... I think Laird is trying to gloss over his involvement here. Yeah. (laughs) And Blake, I think rightly so, sees right through it. Yeah, anyone else might have had a a better better crack at at turning them against each other, but not Laird. Yeah. Um, So the next thing that happens is possibly the worst part of the entire chapter, where Laird says, you remind me of someone else, Blake. And Blake does not take the bait. He he just he just walks off and doesn't even want to find out what the hell Laird is talking about. I'm so curious. Yeah, I was oh, I was groaning as Blake as Blake was like, I didn't take the bait, and I was like, No, Blake, do it. Like, take the bait, Blake. <laughs> I was like, This yeah. is the time. Make a mistake. Oh uh, yeah, I haven't been this mad since we missed uh, what Rose's personal item was. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll get into it. There's a bit I want to talk about later about some ideas about who Laird may have been referring to, but yeah, we'll get there. Okay. All right. Um, so Blake walks out, not taking the bait, uh, and, and the cabal kind of leave Laird trapped in the circles, and, and they kind of head to leave, but <laughs> as they start to leave, Pauze makes the noise. <laughs> Which is a direct quote of, from yep. the story of how that's, Blake That's describes. what it's referred to as. <laughs> The noise. God, it's so good. Um, which is basically like, I don't even know, like a horrible, shrieking, terrifying, <laughs> screaming noise. Blake just sort of uses like three awful things and says it's like a hybrid of all of them. So it's basically just all the awfuls. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this bit kind of got all the emotions like out of me at the same, <sighs> same time. Like I was yeah. laughing while also being just generally terrified. I was, like, confused, but then also not at all shocked that just leaving Laird <laughs> alone in a room with an imp wasn't, yep. like, a good idea. So, I was, like, just... Yeah, who would have thought? <laughs> Simultaneously, I was just feeling, like, this whole gamut of emotions. Uh, it was great. Yeah, it's pretty terrifying. Like, and this, to me, is where, you know, the, the Laird sympathy kind of starts ticking up. It's just... It's inhumane. It's terrible. Um. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and even Blake is sort of, like... Okay, Pose, you can't make that noise anymore. Like, fuck. Yeah, no, like, none of that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then, and and then, yeah, like, Pose sort of launches into this big speech, uh, and it's, yeah, fucking, fucking horrific. <laughs> so, yeah. About what he's going to do to his family. Yeah. Yeah. And it's bad. It's bad. Like, Led's just sort of sitting there and just being like, Blake, like, come on, like, you've won. I'll do it. Just, just stop, please. Like this is too far. And and it's funny how you know the the whole first half of this chapter. I was like, oh, Led, you smug asshole in your circle. Whereas by this point, you're like, no, Blake, come on, like Led's Led's right. Yeah, you gotta you gotta lay the fuck off, man. This is this is too much. Yeah. Um, Led is begging Blake to stop this <laughs> uh, because this is. Terrible. Um, Laird says something at some point here to the effect of, like, anyone would succumb to this. Like, anyone would go mad or accidentally break the circle. Like, I can't. <sighs> yeah. And uh, and they eventually just kind of leave him. <laughs> so, one thing I wanted to call out. So, when, when Laird's basically begging Blake to stop, Blake... Yeah. Blake just sort of remains quiet, which is, is already yeah. kind of bad. Like, I'm already like, no, Blake, like, he's right. And I don't know why you're not changing your mind. But what really jumped out to me is as as Blake is sort of being quiet, Rose goes all aggro 
uh, on yeah. Laird and sort of brings Molly back into it. And then, like, after that, she's also, like, I don't even really like Molly that much. This is about Blake. So, yeah. like, she's she's very much just going on the offensive. And I'm just adding this to my little, like, growing pile of concerned for what Rose is turning into uh, tokens that's, that's getting yeah. a little larger than I would like. Like, uh, <laughs> while Blake is not, like, Blake was not even questioning what he's doing as much as I would like. I mean, while Rose is, like, essentially doubling down. And I was like, oh, God, like, Rose is becoming yep. a bigger and bigger concern. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Um, but eventually Blake does back down. He he kind of realizes, oh, this might be a bit too much. Um, and so he tells Poos, like, you, Poos, you have to stay quiet unless Laird says something without me giving him permission to. Um, and that's the kind of tentative truce that that Blake and Rose leave them in. Yeah, which... Like, okay, so obviously, like, granted context, this whole situation's still pretty fucked, but yeah. I I, I, I kind of like this idea of Pose will be quiet if you will be quiet, like, as a yeah. middle ground. Like, relatively, it's 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 a good idea. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's better than what it was before, I'll say yeah. that much. Yeah, the, the psychological torture aspect, like, I think the bit that really gets me now is, like, just knowing Pose is right there and Laird can't quite lie down comfortably, like, that's just... Oh uh, yeah, like like you know you, you sort of hear about like you know like what like uh, actual spy agencies and stuff do for like torture to keep people awake, and this is like this is that, but worse even. Um, yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Uh yeah, it's grim. Um, and then Blake and Rose decide to leave behind the Tallow Man as well, just in case I don't know something happens, <laughs> just in case Laird escapes or you know Pose does some something. Um. But they then they leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so I mean, like I, I'm not super worried for Laird. Really. Like, well, I am, but also we just learned last chapter that actually he's been trained by Rose Senior. So mm. I am. Wait, uh, like I, I doubt how effective leaving him with Pose is going to actually be because yeah, it turns out he's a lot he's a lot better equipped to deal with this sort of thing than we thought yeah although yeah so something that a commenter pointed out that i quite like is uh laird was also given a or he asked for a bucket and some soapy water which is like probably a pretty good kind of opposite style thing to help deal with pose um oh i like that yeah so there maybe are some laird does have some something planned but i still think he's in a pretty i don't know i we'll see i guess yeah, so, yeah, like, narratively, I'm not super worried for Laird because of that secret reveal. I feel like that's going to be something that pays off, but, like, if I didn't know that, I'd be fucking terrified for him. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but, like, I don't know, so, so to sort of take a step outwards, it's sort of like, if we go back to the chess analogy with uh, Blake, Conquest, and their five champions each, Blake has basically taken Pose and Laird off the board for now, so now it's mm. four champions each, but, like, I think... For Blake, like a, a one-for-one trade-off of pieces uh, is is a pretty good result, especially considering yeah. he has a plan to take Laird out, um, something to do with like the Bahamas power, and then presumably get Pose back as another piece to play. So it's a, in the chess analogy, it's, I, I guess, an effective move. Yeah, and I also think there are very few situations where Blake is going to use Pose, so yeah, <laughs> this so is a pretty you- good way to, to put him on guard duty. 
Yeah, exactly. Like this is a good use of of a champion he wouldn't really want to use in any other situation, and he shouldn't be using in this one. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, so the cabal are on the road again, and they kind of make their way back to everyone's favorite location, the police station. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I feel like Blake's going to have an easier time making the police station his domain than, like, his own fucking apartment. <laughs> yeah, um, so <laughs> I think it's funny that we didn't see... Uh, so Blake obviously had to come back to the police station, right? Like, that was the thing that he did, um, that he kind of promised to, I don't know, the, the captain, somebody at the station. But yeah. we never saw him actually go back to this person. Y- yeah, well, so I actually... I went and read it because I, I had the same sort of thought, and he doesn't do it in, on this trip either. Yeah, and and looking at it, all, I think all he really promised to do in five, I think it was five dot six, uh, mm. is to come back to the police station. So I don't think he had to come back here at all, except for June. Like I, June is literally, yeah, the entire reason for this trip, as far as I can tell. Yeah, fair enough. Um. Yeah, so Blake's making some interesting moves. Uh, Tyler's calling him out on it. He's he's basically doing some classic Bond villain things, you know, monologuing to Laird, leaving Laird with a questionably loyal henchman. Um, <laughs> but but Blake kind of defends it because it's good karma and good drama, which are basically the same thing, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, this is pretty sensible in the world of Pact to do this kind of Bond villain shit, which is just fucking fantastic idea for a world <laughs> uh i love it um ty also takes the time to like suggest a movie night that night which is like yeah get your priorities straight man oh uh, like it, his mental health is is like either really really good or really really bad like it, it's one of the if you're suggesting movie night in the middle of this fucking paranormal war <laughs> uh you're either yeah. in a really good place or a really bad one yeah, grab Laird, grab Poos, and let's watch, I don't know, Shrek. <laughs> um, yeah. So I want to pull out a quote because it just had this line that I thought was, I don't know, something, um, where Blake thinks, the streets were crowded, people doing their shopping in the evenings, and I could smell rich food as people grabbed late lunches or early dinners. I was hungry. It was easy to forget to attend to real life. And that last bit, that it was easy to attend to forget to real life, that... That just feels like something that's going to become really relevant. It just feels like a little, just a little nice pithy phrase that that seems like it's going to be important. I mean, it's already obviously pretty relevant to Blake already, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a response to that. O- okay, I will <laughs> keep, keep an eye out, I guess. I don't, you're the one who's yeah. read the story. I haven't. I'll, I'll yeah. take your word for uh, there's it. What, <laughs> there's one other there's one other bit I want to point out, which is just I don't know something. Ty and Evan are talking, and Evan says, "Ty, yeah, Batman would totally kick her ass." We don't hear the start of this conversation. <laughs> I, I don't know what what they're talking about. I just think it's a fun. It's the exact kind of conversation you would think Evan and Ty are having, which is awesome. Yeah, it's it's a fun little bit of decoration, and I I don't know. I, I know like Ward has some references to Pact, so mm. like. I've I've been assuming Pact is going to reference Ward a little bit, so Worm, mm. um, a little bit. I, I like I don't know. So maybe maybe her is referring to Taylor or some other person from Parahumans. I don't know. But I don't think Evan would think that Taylor would get lose to Batman. That's crazy. Also, I don't think Evan should be reading Worm. <laughs> oh, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so one last note on this section. 
which is that uh, um, Maggie kind of makes a bit of a, hey, can I have, can I hold that sword? Oh, let me just take a look at it with my hands. Um, and Blake is, <laughs> yeah, correctly, or I don't know, correctly, refuses to kind of give Maggie the sword. Uh, he's, still, he's still clearly not sold on her, even though he doesn't kind of think that out loud. Yeah, and because I think, obviously, based on how the chapter ends, this little segment was obviously included as a sort of reminding us that Blake doesn't trust Maggie thing, because it's been a couple of chapters, uh, at least since that really came up, so it's just sort of seeding that idea back in our head that Blake doesn't necessarily think Maggie's told him everything, which, yeah, well, and then the end of the chapter happens. Yes. Uh, yeah. So let's get to that. Uh, well, we'll get there, I guess. So yeah. the the gang enters the police station and <laughs> right from the get go, it just is like this tense thing of, hey, they shouldn't be here. There's a real ticking clock. Yeah. Ticking clock because of the Bahames. Um, but it's not the Bahames. Uh, so that joke doesn't make sense. Uh, well, sure. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, no. It, well, yeah. So it, it's funny because uh right before they go into the police station as well like blake also sort of thinks about isadora which is actually something i had sort of forgotten as i was going through 7.1 for the first time he's like isadora's gonna tap me today and i was like oh yeah shit that's right like blake has so many enemies i can't even keep up (laughs) and so you're sort of thinking okay isadora's coming up and then they immediately get in here and fell's like someone's watching us somehow i don't know but like we just gotta we just gotta like get going Uh, and there's this immediate sense of pressure. Yeah, definitely. Now, Elliot, I have to interrupt our regularly scheduled discussion here because I have just found what that Batman would totally kick her ass is referencing. Uh, so, okay. this was some on-the-spot Googling. Uh, so, this chapter came out, what, on the 29th of May? Yes. Is that right? Something like yes. that? Um, 2014. About a month before that, there was a thread posted on spacebattles.com that was Batman from DC versus Alexandria from Worm. So I think that's what's being referenced here. Alexandria versus Batman. And uh, I don't know. Which side do you come down on there, Elliot? Um, well, we, okay, wait. We've said we can kind of do Worm spoilers in this, in this podcast. Yeah, so. okay. So get ready, guys. Worm spoilers <laughs> coming up. For, for the next 30 seconds or so. Um. If some street-level punk can kill Alexandria, I reckon Batman's in with a shot. Ooh, fighting <laughs> words. All right. Um, I've jumped to the end of this thread to try and see if anyone responds to, you know, the the thing that Wildbo posts about it, like, a month. It, it, it There's about a month between the start of that thread being posted and this chapter coming out, but it seems like it, the timeline kind of matches up. Yeah, yeah, No sure. comments. <laughs> Wildbo doesn't comment in the thread, and nobody seems to react to his comment. So I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm getting it wrong, but it seems like this is what's being referenced. <laughs> um. Yes. Anyway. Anyway. So, so back, back, the back to our regular scheduled programming. <laughs> um. So th- so you're in the police station, and and Blake goes up to the desk sergeant, and they say, "Oh, you were already here." And Blake's like, "Uh, yes, I was, but I forgot <laughs> something." Um. Some nice time skip <laughs> shenanigans. Um. Yeah. And. And so he has like a whole kind of thing here about how, oh, it's good that I brought Maggie and Fell because, you know, they have the good karma and, and I give people the wrong impression uh, yep. but because of my bad karma. But if you actually read what he says, he just sort of walks up to the desk and he's like, I want to talk to the police chief. Um, I guess I'm injecting mm. my own tone there, but like there's nothing <laughs> in any of his words that implies that he's saying this in any polite way. And we know he also looks like a ragged piece of shit. So- mm. 
I don't know how much you should be blaming this on karma. I guess this could very well be one of those, <laughs> one of those like it's both type situations, or they feed into each yeah. other. Um, yeah. But like just just looking at the way Fell talks to the woman as opposed to Blake, I couldn't help but feel that Blake shouldn't just be blaming it on the karma. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think Blake kind of seems to forget how haggard he looks at times. <laughs> um, so Blake heads down to the evidence lockup and. Uh, you know, reclaims glu- uh, reclaims June with Maggie kind of playing point here to help convince. Yeah, and and you know she does the whole make a promise thing, which yeah is a tool Blake has never really, or I guess is employed it occasionally, but like that that's a, mm. it's a useful one. The the old lend power to your statements by making a small promise. Like all Maggie promises to do is put it in her bag, which like, she immediately does. Yeah, and then takes like, it out and gives it to Blake. Yeah, yeah, not a huge <laughs> promise. Whereas like. I think the majority of promises Blake has made, like keeping June warm, uh, cause him troubles, like having to go back to the police station again to get a hatchet. Yeah. Got to make some short-term promises, Blake. Some really easy ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they, they kind of start to head out with June, but quickly realize that they have company. Yeah, some creepy floating women slash maybe dolls. I, I don't know. It, it's just creepy. Yeah. Um, And I want to touch on these eye poster things. Uh, so, there's this little... Mm cool piece of practicing where uh it seems that the sisters of the torch and the astrologer teamed up to make these like concert posters for a generic band that have these stylized eyes hidden within the design and these eyes are able to i don't know distribute scouting for blake um yeah it's it's a very cool little piece of practicing and i'm always excited when we see cool new tricks from different practitioners yeah yeah it's 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 you're right it's just a cool idea um, yeah, so Phil kind of sees it and is like, oh, this is probably the sisters with a bit of the astrologer, which kind of confirms, you know, Conquest's champions are, are teaming up. Yeah, well, Conquest is using his champions to make, like, cool combos, whereas Blake won't even give his goblin queen his goblin sword, so... Um... <laughs> I'm sure there's no synergy there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, like, and Phil's also running well juice, so, like... Uh... I don't know how well this outlast strategy is going to be working out for him at this rate. Yeah. Um, it really seems like, I mean, I hate to say it, Blake, but Conquest's team just seems more experienced than yours. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, that was part of his plan for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Let's get the day old practitioners on my team. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I honestly, like, Fell is pulling a lot of weight here. Um, and, mm. you know, Maggie and Rose are obviously doing bits as well, as is Blake, but you really, I really just feel like they just can't trump the experience of, of Conquest's champions. Well, and some are just the raw power. I hear someone like the eye. Yeah, um, exactly. But anyway, so, and then obviously we end the chapter with this, with Maggie saying it's time for, um, what did she say, fire and blood? Uh, yeah, blood thinking? and darkness. Uh, yeah, I, I, I might be getting my like, Game of Thrones and packed uh mix up there but uh yeah um seemingly maggie's now gonna confirm to blake that he was right to not trust everything she was <laughs> telling him uh yeah. and, and it got me thinking like as i was sort of finishing up this chapter like you know blake was talking about how like maggie probably had good karma mm. and relative to him she probably does but like i don't really well, think yeah goblin queening would be a super lucrative career like karma wise Yes, especially not a goblin queen slash, you know, little girl hitman for hire, um, which <laughs> yeah. is basically what Maggie seems to be. Uh, but 
it, 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 all this sort of talk about Maggie and Karma got me thinking of back when Isadora, wait, sort of told Blake that his cabal uh, joining him was probably bad karma, not good karma. Yeah. Got me thinking yeah. that, like, I, I, you know, I think we're about to get this reveal that Maggie being his ally is the same deal, where it's like, no, actually, that's not the universe helping you out. Uh, yeah. The, the universe brought Maggie in to fuck you up. <sighs> yeah. Um, which, you know, I guess we'll see how that goes in the next chapter. Yeah. Um, because that's the end of Void 7.1, and that's the end of almost our episode for today. Before we go, we wanted to uh, revisit some other content from five years ago, not just Space Battles forums, but comments that people <laughs> left on this very WordPress post to see what people were kind of talking about and scheming about back when the uh, podcast, uh, not the podcast, back when the, the chapter first came out. Um, Elliot, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, so I found a comment by Raffinius, uh, who is speculating on who Laird might think, uh, or, or who Blake reminds Laird of. Mm. Um, and so Raffinius's theory is that uh, Laird has some sort of grudge against Rose Senior, like he, he blames Rose Senior for something bad that happened to Eamon, uh, his mm. dad. And so, like, while Rose... Junior Miros was reminding him of Rose Senior. Um, he was maybe going to say that Blake reminds him of Amon being corrupted by by a Rose, uh, which mm. I I just love as an idea. Like I'll be very happy if that's if that's how it goes down because that's, that's that, a great great idea. That is that is pretty grim. And if that's the case, it would I think explain some of Laird's anti Thorburn sentiment. I mean, yes, your grandma caused the downfall of my dad like that's pretty you know personal shit yeah it, it's yeah it, it works uh which is why i really yeah. like it as an idea um the comment i pulled out was by a user called iron uh and so obviously we kind of talked about oh, i don't think we touched on it actually but we we in the chapter it's mentioned this idea of deferring responsibility for bad acts being good for your karma so instead of killing a practitioner if you put him on a chair and hang a noose around his neck and let him, you know, take care of the rest, the spirits are too forgetful to kind of put two and two together and blame you for it. Um, and uh, Fel, Fel actually talks about how his gun is not this. Um, and Ironside points out that this, you know, could be very intentional. I mean, Fel could have chosen the gun to use as a tool specifically because it wouldn't defer responsibility, right? He <laughs> wants to get the bad karma from it because either it'll come back to, to fuck with conquest or, you know, it'll just fuck with Fel's magic and make it weaker, which is also a win, or it'll just outright kill Fel. And, you know, that's kind of a win. It's like a win, 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 kind of, um, which is an interesting idea. Uh, and, and I think it's quite in character for Fel to do, to kind of constantly make the wrong decision as a form of rebellion. Yeah, no, you're right. I like it. it. It's similar to this idea of like you know the unnecessary risks with speeding and stuff. It's just like it's it's those little chipping away at conquest type things where he yeah he uses the gun and it's just not the good way of doing it. It's the way that gets the job done, which fulfills his duty to conquest, but does it in a way that probably just hurts conquest slash fell overall. Uh, yeah, I like it. Yeah, um, yeah. Well. That's the end of our chapter for today. Um, if you have any thoughts on this chapter or anything we talked about or, you know, who would win between Batman and Alexandria, <laughs> uh, please leave those thoughts in our discussion thread, which you'll be able to find linked in the show notes below.
Yes, and you can find more information on Deep Impact and all the other shows on the Doof Network at doofmedia.com. Yes, actually, and if you want to hear more from us, we have just yesterday released an episode of our other podcast, Media MD, uh, in which we are talking about uh, David Tennant does a podcast with. A podcast where David Tennant does a podcast with somebody. And that's our podcast reviewing that podcast. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I, th- I, th- I thought it was an interesting conversation. And uh, if you're a fan of David Tennant or any of the people he's worked with, uh, it's worth checking out. And I think this is actually the highest uh, rating you gave something that I've brought you this whole year. So you must have really loved it. Uh, yeah, it probably was. Oh, it, I think, yeah, I, I did. Um, <laughs> so, so if you want to check, check that out, out, head to uh, MediaMDPodcast.com. Yes. Uh, and obviously, you know, we're here. This is arc seven of Pact where... We're a long way in, and obviously, if you've made it this Not far- Not even halfway. <laughs> well, yeah, it's true. Um, it, it, it's a lot of words, and presumably, <clears throat> you've read them if you made it this far on the podcast, um, and so you, you, should, you should give some back a little and head over to patreon.com slash wildbow and uh, donate a bit to him, because he obviously made this story that you know, you've enjoyed listening to us yabber on about. Yeah, exactly. Um, give back. Um, but that's it for us for this episode. Uh, our next episode will be Void 7.2, of course, which comes out on Friday the 31st. So we will see you then. See ya. See ya.